Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He wants babies. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guy, Barb Hardly. And in my boy identity as Brett White, I'm also a senior reporter, producer for Decider.com. Say hello to the Brett Summers, to my Charles Nelson Riley, Ethan K. Hello, Ethan. Hello, Barb. Hello, Hi. Barb. Hello, Brett. Hello, Barb. Hi, I'm digging the jacket. Everyone, there's video to this podcast. So just, you know, if you want to watch video, hit stop on your audio and just go to YouTube. Barb, anyway. if you are upping your game by changing your outfit and really doing it up every show, I am realizing that I need to step up my game as well. And I am now wearing a jacket and a button down shirt. Next yes. week, probably a tie. And then I'll go Ooh. back down to no tie, button down, Hawaiian shirt. Probably not a T-shirt, but I don't know. We'll just keep going up and we'll keep going well, who down. Knows? You know, this could also be an excuse to buy novelty ties. Some, oh. some TV show ties, maybe some family ties. I have a ton of ties in my closet and the top shelf of my closet where I keep all my suit jackets and shirts collapsed. But oh, it, did not love pull, it. it didn't pull completely off the wall. So I'm just kind of dealing with it by yeah. putting clothes on this broken shelves, these broken, these broken racks. Uh, I couldn't put anything on top of them anyway. So it's, uh, it's a mess, but it's in a closet. So I don't have to deal with it or show it to company. And today's episode is going to be all about closets. Let me tell you that much. Oh my uh, God. Now. So I, uh, and let me, I guess I will do my, and my, my regular <laughs> listeners go to the video. Look You're at missing the out. entire outfit Ooh. very 70s the the sleeves alone I know. scream 1977 and i am uh wearing my favorite barb hair my barb wig well no it's my hair this ain't a wig <laughs> my long fair hair um but i mean and like uh like you know you're gonna keep up in your game this podcast has given me reasons to keep buying more drag outfits and <laughs> I shouldn't be doing that. Although this dress only costs like thirty dollars, so yeah, you can you can you can justify that. That's easy to justify. Yeah, and I also have plenty of looks that I haven't uh, done yet. I was thinking I might start trying to coordinate them with the shows we're doing. I was um, I because now I'm like I was looking at old Hollywood nightgowns that come with like the ostrich feathers and stuff, so that <laughs> if we ever do Green Acres, I can do a full on like Lisa Douglas, Ava Gabor. 
Yeah. Like, ooh. Or if we ever did a must-have scene TV sleepover, slumber party. Hmm. That could be a fun uh, up all night watching every episode of the 90s sitcom Bob. <laughs> I need to buy pajamas. I've been I've been telling myself I need to buy pajamas. And right now I just have a long pair of sweatpants. I mean, I have like different kinds of like shorts and T-shirts, but like I have one pair of I call them my ninja pants because I wore them mm. for an improv show where I was a ninja. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is I know it was something I'd planned ahead of time. But weirdly enough, it was still improv. Well, and um. So like I treat myself, I, I bought a whole bunch of vintage botany. This Okay, I guess I'll talk as a man. Uh, <laughs> although my bar voice is just a Southern version of my voice. Um, no, I bought some vintage botany 500 uh, men's pajamas, which are what like Robert Wagner and Bob Newhart wear on Heart to Heart and the Bob Newhart show. So I was and I'm pretty sure I actually do own the exact kind that Robert Wagner is wearing in one episode. So uh, I feel pretty good about these choices. I mean, they had to get them from somewhere. And Botany 500 is the purveyor of all the menswear of the 70s. And I love it so much. Costume department of Heart to Heart is not making pajamas from scratch for Robert Wagner. They are buying no. them probably off the shelf. I mean, he might be having his own personal ones like monogrammed and stuff because remember, rich as hell. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, now, so let's get into some listener uh, questions or comments and whatnot, which is a section that I want to start doing because y'all have... Uh, YouTube comments, email must have seen TV, uh, Instagram questions and there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us as well as iTunes reviews, which are very important. Um, And I'm going to try to remember to be checking them more regularly so that we can read things. Um, So I'll start with at Sir Boltagon on Twitter, who just said, I'm loving this new era of the podcast and I'm loving the bar Brett co-hosting thing. Uh, Many thanks to MHS TV for being escaped from all the gestures to society collapsing, which exactly what I want to be. It's basically painting over a roach that's dead and stuck to the wall. (laughs) But it's really nice paint. It's like this like nice pink enamel. That's like really like matte and cool. It looks all plastic, like a Barbie roach. Oh yeah. It was, it was chosen specifically yeah. <laughs> it was curated it was not just like i found this in the garage no no we are the choice paint that covers over the roach of society and we are trying to give y'all an escape now you can uh, look at my beautiful mug which i am honestly like just to talk about drag for a hot second i'm very proud of my eyebrows tonight because uh, <laughs> i i did the thing where you hold i, I have business cards i found a reason to use business cards people what <laughs> because in this dis, in this uh world where we don't need them and i have a stack of them uh you just hold the business card up and then you apply the makeup over it so it creates a straight line like oh. straight on one end and like you know um blurry feathered on the other end so i mean like i'm trying out tricks it's I'm an very proud of myself but, but very practical use for business cards yeah this is you know thank you uh my boy job for helping me uh do my drag makeup (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah so now we on instagram earlier today which on wednesdays which is when we record i'm gonna try to remember to open up a question box on the uh, must have seen tv instagram so people can ask things um and then i'll also you know i'll share it under my identity brett's identity ethan's like you know we'll all share so you can find it you could see it you could submit questions and we got one Woo. uh which i love at must have seen tv on instagram uh at uh linda zander which is a great name um asks when will there be an mtm or a dick van dyke episode again 
crying emoji, which, oh no. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about Dick Van Dyke uh, today, just a little bit, because this show, which we haven't even announced the, the name of yet, <laughs> was considered initially to be a replacement, a possible replacement for the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so like everyone knows that DVD and MTM are my, like two of my favorites, them and Bob are my holy trinity. Um, so, you know, well, listeners, what you might have picked up on is I'm might be trying to think where we go through the decades, fifties, sixties. Now we're in the seventies, uh, next week, Ethan, I think we should do bosom buddies next week. Uh, bosom bosom bu- and- oh yeah. Cause is it, if it's streaming anywhere. No, I mean, we'll find it on YouTube we'll or it. somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like now that I'm a drag queen, I need to see how accurate Tom Hanks's and Peter Scolari's drag yes. was. Um, as and- as the Vandals once sang, they learned that just acting gay can lower the actual rent you must pay. <laughs> yep. The 80s, people. Yeah. Uh, so we, we might hit up on uh, Dick Van Dyke and MTM on the next go around. Uh, for sure. Um, I think I've done all the holiday episodes of the shows, so there's no reason for that. But yeah, there's plenty, and you know, I love those shows. Honestly, if anyone wants to request anything specifically, then maybe we could always do a bonus. Who I've knows? never seen I've never seen either one of them. Oh my god. I will I will freely <laughs> admit that I have been deprived of Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke. I just they weren't available. I don't oh, know. See, they... Those were my Nick at Night shows. Those were my key Nick at Night shows. I, I think I, I, I think I hit Nick at Night a, like a year or two or three before you hit Nick at Night. Mm. The ones that I remember from Nick at Night, we did see uh, Danny Cage, uh, Danny Thomas show. We did see Donna Reed. Um, I think Dobie uh, Gillis. Dobie Gillis. I would love to see. <laughs> I would love to do a Dobie Gillis. It's nineteen fifty. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen that in a very long time. A uh, prominent lesbian actress, uh, the with the lead on that show, one of the yeah. leads. And I think I, I think that he just passed away too. Uh, yes, yes, Mister Gillis himself did. Yeah. Um, but we, the, we've done three episodes so far as uh, with me as a co-host, and each one of we we have to say, oh, so and so just died. Just died. Yeah. Uh, well, that's you know the fun of doing this show. Uh, um. So, yeah, we'll do one. I mean, honestly, Mary Tyler Moore show is the, one of the biggest inspiration for my drag. So Barb needs to talk about uh, uh, talk about that um, for real. And well, I mean, and uh, yeah, so everyone get in touch some way, somehow uh, leave positive comments because I ain't reading nothing negative unless it's funny, unless it's like so negative that it circles around to being funny again, in which case we'll make fun of you. I look, I, I there's a lot of times where we're going off the seat of our pants on a lot of these. And I think I met, made a mistake when I said that Amazing Fantasy 15 <gasps> on, on Dragnet. I believe it was actually Mike Hammer. Uh, oh. I haven't checked, but I, like as soon as I listened to the like the next day, I'm like, shit, it wasn't Dragnet. It was Mike Hammer. One star. One yeah. Star. <laughs> don't follow me on Instagram. Two people nah. who followed me. I obviously don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, you know, who does know what we're they're talking about uh, us going into the actual meat of the episode, because this week we're traveling to September 13th, 1972. Deliverance ruled the box office with Mr. Burt Reynolds. Uh, Black and White by Three Dog Night topped the charts and ABC aired the Paul Lynn show episode. Howie comes home to roost. Ethan, you must have seen Howie comes home to roost before today. I have not. And 
this this one I don't I don't know it, it I'm not going to say it broke me cuz it's not like mystery science theater where the movie is so bad but it was just this was a hard one to get through Paul Lind yeah. is Paul Lind is like a a very sour candy that you like give it to somebody <laughs> you're like oh here's some candy little kid and you and the kids like this is oh my god my mouth is on fire and some people are like I I dig that and other people are like this is a lot to take Yeah well what is your what is your history with Mr Lind uh, where do you primarily know him from? What's your favorite? Uh, th- because honestly, he's a supporting dude. He's not a leading man. And this is one of the shows where he tried to be the lead. And like the others, it at least made it a season. Other ones uh, didn't go past a pilot. So uh, he shrieked his way into our hearts with the Paul Lind Halloween special, <laughs> which I, f- I was told about by a friend. He said, oh, there's this there's this thing. And it exists. And then serendipitously, I want to say six months later, it came out on DVD. Oh, yes. I purchased a copy of it at the Academy Records in uh, New York City on 18th. Was I there with you when you bought that? Maybe. I feel like I remember you finding the Paul Lind uh, Halloween special. Or wait, or was it that did did, you have a copy of the Paul Lind special on DVD? Is it your copy of the Paul? I don't think it, it, it might have been something where I bought it first and then we were there together and then and they not, had a okay. second copy and you might have gotten the second copy. Yeah, because the, the the surprise is, is that it's streaming for free on Amazon Prime Video, which feels like it's on there and they don't know it's on there because it is not good quality and it doesn't feel official, but it's up there. There's there's <laughs> a lot of stuff on Amazon Prime where I'm kind of suspect of. Oh, the yes. Of it. There's North Korea propaganda on there. Really? Yeah, we found it. My coworker found it and wrote an article about it. You can find five, five years ago. You can find anything anywhere. I was on Spotify listening for there's a, a Bollywood film called Bombay to Goa. And the, the theme song Bombay to Goa is literally Help Me Rhonda by the Beach Boys with the words changed completely <laughs> unlicensed. And I found it. I found it on Spotify. And I'm like, this was taken from a record album. You can hear the the hiss the of the record album. <laughs> well, not anyone's going to be remastering, right? Um, um, it's 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 a joy. If you have a chance, try to find Bombay to Goa, and you'll be like, "This is the Beach Boys." <laughs> but I, yeah. so my primary uh, relationship with Mister Lind is uh, a a. Also, I'm also sorry if the sound of my earrings clacking around because they are big and them. yeah, they're. Anyway, whatever. Uh, I bought a mess of just a bunch of silver clip-on earrings. I got like a big pile of them. So uh, anyway, so Paul Lind is just a formative homosexual of mine. Uh, I uh, admire and uh, adore him uh, in a on like a genetic physical level. I have frequently said that I wish I had his career. If I was alive at that time, that career trajectory... I, he wasn't happy with it, but I would have loved it. Uh, <laughs> he was working constantly. Yeah, just to be like the funny gay who goes on shows and gets to be a funny gay and you get to be a funny gay and everyone's cool with it because you're not explicitly like holding hands with another man somewhere. You know, like <laughs> uh, you're just like slightly in the closet and that's enough to get you a free pass or something. Um, so, I mean, Bewitched and Uncle Arthur is 
I love uh, him as Uncle Arthur. Uncle Arthur is one of my favorite characters. And I think we're going to be do- doing some comparing and contrasting between Uncle Arthur and Paul Sims. Also, Paul Sims, creator of News Radio. <laughs> the namesake. Current, current showrunner of What We Do in the Shadows. And and uh, that's the character Paul Lind plays on the show. Um, people, but then, have, people share the same name with a lot of people. There's yes. someone on IMDb with, with, with something close to my name that is stealing my IMDb credits. Oh, yeah. we'll get him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and then like Hollywood Square is also good. Didn't watch it as much. Match game is more my jam. Charles is actually my number one. Paul be my number two. Uh, but let's talk about that Halloween special because for the past, I don't know, five, seven, for a long time, I have hosted uh, Brett White's Paul Lynn's Halloween special Halloween party. <laughs> And even during the pandemic year, I did it virtually, which is just people come over and we watch the Paul and Halloween special. And then we try to find different funny or scary clips on YouTube of yeah. just other Halloween things like yeah. Michael Jackson's ghosts was one of them. And uh, just- the spooky, spooky, very spooky. That kid's song. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, more recently, it's been Gomez Adams's Paul Lynn's Halloween special because I dress as Gomez Adams every year. This year, I might be Barb might be doing drag as uh, Florence Henderson from that special. It is Barb a beautiful Hardly's Florence Henderson's Paul Lynn's Halloween special. Yes, let's do that. Uh... Barb Hardly's Florence <laughs> Henderson's Paul Lynn's Halloween special. Yes, Halloween special Halloween party. Um, <laughs> I just I love that special. It is uh, perfect. I think it is the Star Wars holiday special, but watchable. I was just going to ask, which do you which do you like better? The, uh, Paul Lind, 100%. It is actually, I don't know. I laugh. Is that wrong? It does the right things. The jokes are good. There's no, there's no, there's no fake drama. There's no, there's nothing serious about it at all. No. And it has, it's Kiss's uh, network TV debut. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to go into the praises of Paul Lind Halloween special, but it has so many great people. Yes. Uh, and Betty White, Florence Hennon. Betty White, Florence Henderson, uh, Margaret Hamilton is the Wiki w- w- Wicked Witch of the West. Witchy um, Poo. Witchy Poo, Billy Barty, uh, Pinky Tuscadero. Oh, Tim Conway. Tim Conway. As a trucker. God, it. So we honestly might do a special episode of this podcast uh, for if. Hey, listeners, if you want us to cover the Paul and Halloween special or do something special with it please interact with us on social media or leave reviews saying it. There you go. And then we'll do it. A thousand percent. I, I even posted a question up on my Instagram being like, does anyone have any questions about Paul Lynn show? And of the 27 people who saw it, none of them asked any questions. <laughs> I think we're, you know, the Paul Lynn show is a hidden gem that we have uncovered. It's a diamond in the rough. This is the beginning of Aladdin <laughs> for us. Uh, so let's actually, so yeah, let me get into uh, this week on Let's SCTV. We're talking about the Paul Lynn show episode, how he comes home to roost. It is the first episode of season one. It's the pilot baby. And it was written by Ron Clark and Sam Bob and directed by William Asher. Here's how I describe the episode. Uh, Paul Lind is uh, annoyed with his son-in-law and screams a lot. Ethan, how accurate is that description? <laughs> the, the second half is probably more more uh, more appropriate. Uh, there's there's nuance to it. He meets his son-in-law for the first time, discovers his son-in-law is a genius, has great expectations for him which are let down, and then Paul Lynn screams a lot. 
Yes. So, so now this is actually connected to the Poland Halloween special. The events basically bewitched deciding to go off the air a year early because I think they were like, we're done, I think is what happened. Um, left a hole in the world that was later filled by the Pollen Halloween special. Here's how we get there. Ethan, did you read this? Did you know this? I know so, I know some of it, but but tell me what you, what you uh, got. Let me see if I can run through this by memory because I just read the Wikipedia page. Um, oh, and also Matt Bohm's, uh, if you go on YouTube, oh my God, well, I can't remember what the name of his show is, but he has a an episode about the Pollen Halloween special. It, Matt, B-A-U-M-E. Just search for that Paul and Halloween special. It goes into depth. But the summary is, I think Bewitch wanted to leave a year early. And they were like, well, William Asher, you still owe us a year of content. Because if you're taking Bewitched away, we need something to put on the air. Paul Land also happened to be under contract at ABC. And so they teamed up to do this show. And when it was canceled, they still had like... Paul and under contract for a lot more uh, televised content. So they immediately moved him mm-hmm. to the temperature temperatures rising, which was, I think a doctor sitcom. So he, for season two of that show, he became one of the leads and it was called the new temperatures rising, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> like, year, yeah. Like imagine if Zach Braff left scrubs and then they went, we're new scrubs. <laughs> And then they hired like a police siren to replace yeah. Zach Braff. <laughs> they hired, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of like Mario Cantone or something <laughs> to be the new lead of Scrubs. That's equivalent. So it did not last shockingly. And then they were still like, well, fuck, we still have him under contract. Oh my God, what are we going to do? And that is where, I think that's where you get the Paul in Twas the Night Before Christmas dramatic Ooh. special. Which is unwatchable, but I do uh, enjoy. <laughs> and ultimately, that's where you get the Paul and Halloween special. So do you want to get into why he, the premise was the pre- what the premise was for this show? Because that's what oh, I was looking to get into it, because this is also interesting. And also, yeah, go into it. <laughs> it's a it's a 10 year process. So there was a play that was written called Howie. Mm. And it was written by, of all people, Phoebe Efron, the mother of Nora and Delia <laughs> Efron, the screenwriter for Carousel, uh, There's No Business Like Show Business, and Desk Set. So Hollywood, you know, actually Hollywood royalty. Um, she wrote the play Howie, which turned into a 1962 pilot uh, for Paul Lind in Howie. Yeah, uh, the same premise. He 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 gets a a genius yet slacker son-in-law, and he shrieks about it for a, for a while. That was the <laughs> that was the it was it was a pilot based on a play. It got shelved. I wonder why. Ten years later, nineteen seventy two or nineteen seventy one, um, a, it's a year after All in the Family debuts. Mm-hmm. And they say we are looking for a something that will compete with All in the Family, and b something that might replace Dick Van Dyke Show. So they dig up they they unbury this ten year old pilot for Howie that Paul Lind did. Paul Lind, you know, he's he's a bigger star now. You can't just call it Howie. You have to call it the Paul Lind Show. Yeah, where he does well, not play is- Paul Lind. He plays Paul Sims. And this is the era of the Dick Van Dyke show, the Mary Tyler Moore show, the Bob Newhart show, the Carol Burnett show. It's that era. 
Exactly. So uh, Barb's Barb show, on the other hand, is called That's Barb for You. Which makes sense. That's Barb for you. That's Barb for you. That's my mama. That's <laughs> I mean, that's it's in that same vein. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So that's how we get this very awkward repeat of a re- photocopy of a photocopy of a um, photo of an adaptation. <laughs> It's a play. It was a play, <laughs> then a pilot, then another pilot that turned into a TV show, uh, which was filmed in front of a live studio audience. But they also pumped in some canned laughter as well. Yeah, they would always they sweeten it. Um, well, so I also went through and dug up a lot of reviews, but I feel like we'll save that for the uh, must have facts at the end so we can actually see if the critics of 1972 agreed with us, which spoiler alert, they did. Um, <laughs> so the let's talk about the opening credits. You know, you got to have that opening credits of uh, of uh, the lead going off to work. Mary Teller Moore does it. Bob Newhart does it. Paul Lynn's now doing it. Is his law office in a Hollywood studio? What is he stepping out of? It looked to me he was walking out from under a bridge. Yeah, it was. Well, it looks like the kind of like big gates that would lead you into like the Warner Brothers lot. It looks very much like, oh, my God, we got to shoot a beginning right now go out to the front <laughs> i'll the go out my, i'll park my car and i'll just leave <laughs> the what if it's just like i don't have time just just film me going to my car <laughs> and that's just what they did and they did they they did the classic thing where he's getting in his car and his briefcase opens up something goes wrong everything's going normal and then oh. something goes wrong and his he loses all of his papers and he's like, ah he does that sneer or you know ah, i hate papers Very annoyed. i hate work and then we get a whole bunch of montage of the clips from like the show of just him being annoyed at his daughters, him being annoyed at his wife, him probably being annoyed at his coworkers, and just, you know, everybody. <laughs> I have two notes. One is this looks like it was filmed through wax paper. Yes. And the second one is he looks like an asshole. Yeah. He just looks it's... like an unpleasant, like you, you see those people walking around your life just like sneering and un, like frowning at every little thing and, and like you said is. that is that's palatable in a supporting so i will we'll, I'm, I'm leading we'll get into yeah. it because but so the when the show opens the first thing i noticed is that is the most periwinkle set i have ever seen <laughs> in my life it's honestly like they took a normal set and they're just like just paint everything one color it was it was i remember growing up and going to restaurants like that in the mid 80s mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was like the decor. It was it was just like overly fancy. Yeah, and so he comes home and he's immediately like, "I need a double martini." <laughs> and, his, and his wife, played by Elizabeth Allen, Tony mm-hmm. Award nominee Elizabeth Allen, of course, has already made his martinis. Oh, and she's like, "How's the rat race, honey? The rats are winning." Yeah. Now here is the thing: like as a Pauland. Uh, admirer, uh, lover, you know, I ju- he's an amazing uh, performer, uh, kind of a horrible human being, but you know, that's part of the charm. Uh, <laughs> uh, I it, like if you took some of this stuff out of context, that I would be like, that's great. The, there was if that was a Hollywood Squares. If it was a Hollywood Squares one liner. Perfect. He was great at those. And I think those you're right. If they played by themselves. They would kill, but instead it comes off as very mean spirited, borderline abusive. Yeah, this woman, uh, just this poor woman. 
So she's like, well, our our oldest daughter, Barbara's come home. Hi. This blew my mind. The way she said it was, it's like, oh, she came home with her degree. Did he not go to her college graduation? (laughs) It was like, oh, wait, she's still doing that? (laughs) Oh, she's finished that college thing. Yeah, well, time to go to the rat race with her. This is so weird. Uh, And uh, that's not, wait, what did, uh, oh. So I have written down that's not romantic. It's illegal. It's because she she said he she said oh and he she brought something else home a boy and it, Paul Lynn says well it's about time she started looking to get settled down and get married with a boy and <laughs> and then the his wife is like actually he's her husband oh no oh, she's twenty one. That's not romantic. I, I should probably it's stop doing the voice. It's gonna yeah, blow you're up. not gay. I'm a homosexual. I don't. So I, I don't know. I think you can do an impression. I'll give you an impression of Paul Lynn. It's with not Barbara. romantic. It's illegal. I know my Barb's voice is all very close to Paul Lynn. Anyway, it's just, it's um, just, it's and just it's, snapping at you. It's, yeah. it's well, and then through. again, like she's like, "Well, I was saving. Like I didn't want to tell you right away." And then he was like, "If it's such good news, why were you saving it?" <laughs> everything uh so yeah everything that she's done and said has been countered with uh just nastiness now this is the point when i was watching that i realized bob newhart would make all these lines funny yeah oh because it is that like if you like how is the rat waste uh the 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 rats are winning like that that's not romantic it's it's illegal if it's such good news, what why were you saving it? Like that make that makes it um that's a level of funny that can sustain a half hour and maybe, hey, six seasons. <laughs> and that's because it's putting the emphasis on the material rather than the delivery. Yeah. That's what it is. Which uh, I think of one of the like preview articles I found, William Asher was famously quoted as saying, People would listen to Paul Lund read the phone book. Beg to differ, Bill. <laughs> I could barely make it through 22 minutes of this and, one. And again, I love the man, but he's not. Yeah. So it, it's just because everything that the way he delivers lines, there's very little empathy for the other person. It, it's taking everything pretty much as an attack that needs to be responded to in kind. Yes. So when she's saying, I got you a martini and he says something, uh, you for, you forgot the vermouth. No, no I didn't. Like, yeah. That's. It, it comes off as mean spirited and negative, and I don't. I just didn't feel like I was on his side. Rather, mm-hmm. that I felt I was on everyone else who he was berating side. Yeah. So when the younger daughter comes down, and she's like, right, the younger daughter comes down, and she's like, oh yeah. man, he's so he's he's heavy, like about the new fiance yeah. or about the new husband. She calls her brother in law heavy, which so also. Now, I'm not a youngin from 1972, but I do feel like I don't think that's how they used heavy. I don't know. He's how he's heavy. And Pauline goes, he's overweight. And she goes, no, that means groovy. Yeah. It took me a whole year to learn groovy. <laughs> now, to talk about uh, the actor who plays uh, Sally, Pamela Ferdin, she had acted since 1964. She was a child actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, her, big, her big credits that people know her from, she was in three... Uh, specials of Peanuts as Lucy. Oh! He was in the Cat in the Hat animated film. 
Uh, she was in 16 episodes of Blondie when that was on TV. Okay, Dagwood, living up. And she she took some time off of acting, uh, but she came back for the TV show Detention. And she what? was a voice actor in that. Oh, wow. Well, good for her. I, I love it when these Peanuts children pop up places. We have uh, Linus is in that That Girl episode, and I oh. adore. Yeah. Um. So this is when we meet Howie. And Howie... Looks like Rocky from Rocky Horror Picture Show. No joke. <laughs> and he smiles. He smiles like like the sun. He is just a big yellow haired smiley Ken doll of a dude. He says that he was just going through the dictionary looking for mistakes, which I wrote down. What an asshole. So it's like <laughs> I might be team Paul in this situation. He just seems smug as hell. The, the the catch is that he is very smart. He's traveled around the world three times. Uh, he he spends his days half of his days on the golf course. Mm. Paul thinks the world of him immediately. Just it well, went like from, he could get some insider trading stock tips, maybe become he, rich. Exactly because he he tracks stocks and he is never wrong. Never. But but then we find. Then we find things out about Howie. <laughs> He's a caddy. Barbara married a caddy. <laughs> no, that is not a clip from the show. That is me. Uh, he Howie does not apply himself. He he tracks the stocks. He never plays. He's on the golf course because he's a part time caddy. He traveled the world because he joined the Navy. These are all things that. For Paul Lind or Paul Sims, this makes him a slacker. Yeah, it's also a weird. So like coming from like a screenwriting choice, it's a weird. I feel like you can't have the slacker's son-in-law who's also kind of a jerk. Like he actually does things in this episode where it's like Paul is justified to be mad. <laughs> uh, and then also have the dad be a jerk. Like it's like we the sympathy is not going to either one. So it's like if you have a uh, a Carl, a, a Rob Reiner in the in the son-in-law role. Yeah, he's a likable slacker. He's on the good side. You like him. Or if you have a Bob Newhart in the Paul Sims role, then. Well, he's mild mannered. He's chill. Like you can't, I think yeah. you cannot have Rocky from Rocky Horror and Paul End and Uncle Arthur <laughs> doing this. <laughs> what's a what's an uh, example of a sitcom? I'm trying to think of one where there is a um a even keeled, mild mannered parent and a slacker son in law. Oh, I mean, well, it's not Alan the family because he is not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, huh. it's, it's wondering what the reverse is. Just uh, uh, maybe maybe there isn't one. Let well, us know. I think there. Well, I mean, there's kind of a step by step with uh, Cody, Cody, <laughs> Frank and Cody. Problematic Cody. Yeah, we. You were on that episode, the Disney World episode, where we, where I found the news articles that actually tell you the truth about what happened with Sacha Mitchell, and uh, yeah. Very yeah, bad, was, very bad dude. Very it bad. It was a great episode. Serious. I thought we were going to be talking about Disney and Disney Vacation Club, but no, no it actually. I, I had to do a trigger warning for domestic violence at the top of it. Anyway, um, so so Howie's brought the like goddess of fertility, like the Mexican or Aztec goddess Asian. of fertility, Asian to goddess. which when when Sally, the youngest daughter, tries to touch it, 
Paul Sims does yell, don't touch it, which I did laugh at. I thought that was funny. I don't know. He brought a gift. It was uh, something obviously carved by the prop department. Uh, in yeah. no way authentic or even tried to be authentic. Although that is a real uh, deity. Oh, so they sure. didn't ju- they didn't just make it up because I was like, were they like, oh, this sounds right. Just say it. like, but no, they actually did some research or I don't know. Um, it's, it's not a very good statue. No, but yeah, every also a weird inset shot. They were like, we really want you to see this statue and it's weird, like pointy, hollowed out breasts. Uh, and it was it was like from above and down. It was really weird. Because they wanted to get the visual effect of this is something that obviously Paul Lind slash Paul Sims would not be interested. Would not want. Would not Uh, want that at all. So the next day, Paul comes in. He's wearing a really handsome tan windowpane uh, pattern suit that I appreciated uh, as as Brett. Barb thought he was handsome, though. Barb really just like has a big crush on Paul Lind. And she knows if she can get a guest spot on the Paul Lind show, she's going to get a date. He's a bachelor. (laughs) That's a, an eligible bachelor, as they would say, Ooh, whatever that means. Eligible, just ready for, um, ready for the chicken. So he's drinking martinis again. He's always drinking martinis, and this is where I wonder: like, martinis aren't really that masculine coded. I don't know. I mean, they're James Bond, so maybe I don't know what people what the drinks were when you came home. I thought it was. I, I would assume like a Manhattan, but like, mm. like martini is not that not that far off really yeah it's just like he's always scarfing down them uh the martinis uh and this is where we get the b plot which uh, which intersects with the a plot it's all so he's a lawyer that does vague things <laughs> it's his job <laughs> he's an all, all-purpose lawyer that works under a bridge <laughs> yes <laughs> and so he told me he's like tomorrow i have to go see a dirty, dirty movie, movie. <laughs> Uh, Which I do yeah. wonder, was this also the plot of the 1962 pilot or the play? No, I don't I don't believe it was. I, the, the the play, I think, is that is the the father son in law thing. It's not the individual cases. Primarily, yeah. My guess is that that over the over time, you would also get some of these, you know, his case of the day kind of yeah. things coming in. Uh, and so so this is interesting because if you've listened to um you must remember this. They did like a, a history of sex in cinema, specifically the 70s. And the uh, 1972 is when Deep Throat and Last Tango in Paris came out. And it was this time that like porno chic was a thing. And like they were like, wait a second, X-rated movies can make money and normal people can go see them, not just preverts like you know <laughs> and so it is interesting that like this was actually a timely plot for 19 for fall 1972 because this was a theater that a guy had sold to another guy to be and he was like he's going to show reputable movies it was the bijou it became now and now it's the pussy cat <laughs> right uh... and so he has to go and prove that the new owner misrepresented his intentions when he bought the place Yes, there is so much going on with this. Uh, first, there's the great line. There is actually a good line. Um, he says he's going to the dirty movie, and his wife says, "Oh, when should I pick you up? And uh, when should I when should I meet you? Uh, not pick you up. When should I meet yeah. you?" And he says, "Sex is not for housewives." And she says, "I've noticed that lately." Yeah, and that's a great, <laughs> great, great zinger. Zing, zing, gotcha. Which also speaks to the larger 
problem of the Paul Lind show is that Paul Lind is playing a heterosexual father of two. And, <laughs> you know, it's just Neil Patrick Harris. He is not <laughs> married to a woman who he obviously despises just in every way he acts around her is just like really just even like. I wrote, is he going to hit people in the in my margin? Like, he's just, he's just like, he's so wound up. Very like, tense, which I mean, being in the closet and having to have a uh, fake marriage will do that to you. So no wonder yeah. he is feeling, feeling some type of way. And also because, I mean, let's face it, Howie is a hot piece of ass. <laughs> this, is this, this is, you know, we've seen three episodes and this is the second one with a very, very, tall blonde tan square jawed man yes it was the whole thing uh so he has to go to the porn to the pussycat the pussycat which is uh a fine set i believe it's actually an outdoor set uh he walks past three posters and i had to look these up to make sure they were real movies and not just and not, something that's the prop department and not fake like the patty duke show uh, yes week. Tiffany's and company yeah. company. So I did look them up, which has probably skewed my whole, all my Google recommendations for the next 20 years. It's but going to be like, here's that... some 1970s X-rated films for you. Connoisseur. Uh, so, so we've got 1967's Fanny Hill meets later Ch- lady Chatter- Chatterley's lover. Uh, we've got 1970s Fandango mm-hmm. and 1971's Erica's hot summer. All of Ooh. which are real movies. Uh, they're all they all have their IMDb credits listed. But triple the, feature, triple, triple feature. The 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 person selling tickets is played by Hope Summers, who played uh, the neighbor on the Andy Griffith show. Oh wow! Did thirty two episodes of the Andy Griffith show. Did five episodes of Mayberry RFD, all as the same character. Oh, good. So she has, and she's got like a, a whole bunch of like other. She great... was good. I liked yeah. her. Um, it. Oh God, I had a thought, and then it uh, went away when we were talking about. Uh, oh well, like when he says like seven fifty for what for everything. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> it's like that line was good. She's good. Uh, but then she she says but, but, like, the, the, the follow up line was he goes, when does it start? And she goes, does it matter? Yeah, <laughs> she's good. I liked her. And then um, so he points out. Sorry to, to, to jump in. He points no. out. I saw Snow White here. And she goes the, the weirdest line. I, it's so it doesn't. This is not this second draft, please. This is uh, she goes. Oh, really? Well, next week. Snow White uh, next week next week we're showing Snow White makes out with seven cycle freaks. Cycle or psycho? I thought I heard it as cycle. I mean, either way. First of all, it X-rated movie, they're just making out? I don't think so. No. No. <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Dongs. But they couldn't say that <laughs> back then. Uh uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what Snow White and the Seven and Low. the low white and the seven schlongs i don't know i wonder they honestly this might have been like a fifth draft title because maybe they just kept getting like turned down like i don't seven psycho freaks whatever who cares move on (laughs) (laughs) we gotta go we gotta get this going um so when he goes into the theater the music that underscores the entire scene which i assume means at first i was like oh this is like the show letting us know like oh you're supposed to 
feel the like grime on the ground and like the smoke and the because it's like the scuzzy he's our jazz he's in a he's in a trench coat he's got dark glasses he looked like patty duke from the episode of yes. the patty <laughs> and so he's like sneaking in but like no that's the music that i think is like scoring whatever is going do we know what the name of the movie he's seeing is i guess it's one of those three does it matter that's oh the, does it matter? uh he goes into a theater where he apparently saw snow white there earlier but this theater only has three rows of seats yes <laughs> three rows of seats there are three people there at least two of them are eating popcorn that was the weirdest thing is these men are just there in the middle of the day in their suits eating popcorn watching porn and paul <laughs> lind like he pulls out these like readers these like the kind of glasses you get at the Dwayne reed or a walgreens it's like i need to see him and he gets out his paper to start like taking notes he takes all of maybe 15 seconds of notes yeah the entire scene now, uh, I will also so like, I think the show wants us to think it's funny because, oh, the dad has to go see an X-rated movie or something. But like, no, nope. Lynn going to see one is like, that seems normal. Like this doesn't he's not now Bob Newhart. Exactly. That would be funny. If you got Bob Newhart in there, that would be a very different scene. It would play completely differently. And I feel like Paul Lind walks up, the the lady, the ticket ticker's like, hey, Paul, how's it going? <laughs> I feel like he's been there. Uh, but then his um, one of his co-workers is there. It's a, is I the think fun. It's, it's, it's a friend. Yeah, it's a it's not a co-worker because I think um, he works in a different he's not a lawyer. His name is Joe Robinson. Uh, you know what? I'm going to look up who plays who plays him. I don't know if he was a regular or anything like that. His name was Jack Collins. Um He's known for Towering Inferno, The Sting, uh, seven episodes of Dallas. Ooh. Uh, Linda Loveless for president. Oh. So that's kind of porny. Yeah. Uh, here's Lucy, the odd couple, Bonanza. He was Mr. Robbins. He was actually several characters in Bewitched. Uh, oh, there's the connection. A uh, couple couple episodes of Brady Bunch. He's just one of those guys that just has a lot of. Yeah small screen credits and so they know each other and it feels kind of so like it feels like um paul is does he he kind of like blackmails him into giving howie a job that i don't know it's like an undercurrent of like i won't tell people that i saw you here howie my uh nephew-in-law needs a job uh like i don't know i think i think joe was just very i think joe even suggested be like yeah have him come down to the to, oh, to yeah. the it wasn't Maybe it wasn't, wasn't blackmail yeah just like oh <laughs> just we're friends at the porn theater. Let me help. Just you two out. buds. Hey, yeah. autofocus. <laughs> Just two dudes watching some porn. One hand's in the popcorn bucket. The other hand's doing. You don't want to know. Uh, I'm gonna have sex with a bunch of chicks, and then I'm gonna beat you to death with a camera stand. Yay! That spoiler alert for autofocus, and also yeah. like, the the sad life of Bob Crane. Very handsome man who. Had some uh, troubles. We'll talk you know, about Hogan's Heroes. I, without getting into too much of like the Hogan's Heroes story, did you know his, like for a while his son was selling all the pictures that his dad took? I think for like yeah, like, there's yeah, there's weird, yeah. there's weird stuff with that. Uh, you know, like, uh, anyway, <laughs> I believe so, that's, uh, with a caveat that I haven't looked that up in a long time. But yeah, I, that's something I think I remember from many years ago when I watched Autofocus. Um, the next scene is at work. We see Paul's uh, office. Um, 
And his boss comes in to be like, you know, what, what, like good work with it. Basically, Paul asks his boss, did you read what I saw? Meaning the, I guess, the description of the movie. And then the boss is like several times. And that's. Uh huh. But um, bump. I mean, uh-huh. the script, the script is fine. I wrote, yeah, there are some good jokes. Paul is funny. Script isn't horrible, but it's too incredibly mismatched. Incredibly mismatched. Yeah, yeah. It's Paul is he's he's he he just sticks out like a sore thumb. That yeah, he's, he's it feels like he's performing for the stage, almost. He's he, his character is so big that it's not television acting. It's it's theatrical acting. Well, I'm like trying to think of what a Paul Lind show could have been. I honestly don't know if you can. I think I feel like Paul Lind can be a series regular. I think he can be a co-lead is the biggest spotlight he can get. I think he has yeah. to have someone else that is balancing him out. I do not think that he can get like if the wife was actually a character, if they gave Elizabeth Allen something to do. She had no character. No, she nothing no at likes. all. She had no dislikes. She was only there to react to Paul and be reacted to just serve him up lines that he could be very angry about <laughs> the the madness of her marriage. Um, the adult movie owner comes in and it is none other than adorable little round man. Dick Van Patten. Dick Van Patten. Is this uh, uh, when is Freaky Friday? Freaky Friday is late 70s. Yes. Yeah. And this is and this is before eight is enough. Oh, yeah. Is this an uh, early Dick Van Patten spotting? Yeah, I was looking him up. He he actually did 149 episodes in the 40s of a show called Mama. He in the 40s, at, was he a child? He was he was 21. I believe the sh- I believe the show was 1949. Now I'm going to have to double check that again. But he did like a hundred. He did a oh ton of God. episodes of it. Let me double check because I, I I hate being wrong for these things. But he's got a very <laughs> long career. Yeah, 1949 to 1957. Mama. He played wow. Nels Hansen in 169 episodes um i was looking over his credits i i just discovered that he was in a mel brooks sitcom of robin hood oh that's like little Fryer, john or friar tuck friar tuck it was called when things were rotten it was produced by mel brooks like what i don't know if it is that i don't know where it exists but i'm like a mel brooks produced comedy starring before robin hood men in tights yeah. Uh it, it it stars Bernie Capel. Okay. Um another guy who was just on literally everything. I mean, yeah. he was a, like he was recurring on That Girl and Get Smart at the same time. L- names that I don't recognize, Dick Gautier. Oh yeah, Dick Gautier. Uh, uh I know the name. He's someone. Richard uh, Dimitri, Misty Rowe, Henry Pollock the second. I think I know Henry Paul at the second. I've seen him in stuff. Should track it down. Yeah, um, this, is, this is a it's yeah, I don't I don't it lasted one season. Yeah. Uh all told thirteen episodes. Oh well. Today that's a success. Yeah. Today that's two Netflix seasons or something. Very um, yeah, very strange. So know. in this scene, Howie is Basically, Howie is now like in the mix. Howie talks Dick Van Patten out of signing the eviction papers. Howie's he got like, a job. Howie has a job. Yeah, he cites some like Byzantine or like some sort of statute or something or other. Massachusetts versus Roland. Yeah, 
and and, <laughs> and so that makes Paul mad. When Paul finds out, he is he, he's at home, right? Because he's talking to his wife. He's like angry about like I got I got Howie a job, and and then I was I like I had a victory, and then you stole it from under my nose. I he the my the line that made me laugh was uh he gets he gets a big he gets a double martini and his wife says did that help and he says no i can still remember what how he looks like <laughs> i like yeah. that one that was a good well, one there was another one where where like they said well it was the statute in massachusetts and he says i don't give a hang about massachusetts <laughs> it's like every line is just like it, it's every line is a is a hollywood square zinger i also but wrote- it's every line I wrote down the the, the phrase how we fall. Um, Paul falls down again. This was <laughs> this was something that I that might have been borrowed from Dick Van Dyke. But there are several times where Paul falls over, and I think that even that happens later in the series too, because for him falling in the pool yeah. was was uh, a gag they reused. Some him, lovely he fell down physical comedy. Physical oh, comedy. He falls back into the chair like Captain, like a maniac, and I write it down here he would be a great Mr. Sinister. Paul Lind? Yes. I think when I did my, um, I, I cast X-Men 66, <laughs> casting <laughs> like people that were working at that time in those roles. And it was like, Paul Lind is Mr. Sinister. That would be great. That's exactly what I want. Uh, and John Aston as Beast. I think it'd be great. <laughs> um, Ed Asner as Wolverine. Uh, Rue McClanahan as Rogue. Uh, Larry Hagman with Cyclops. Yeah, you know, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I did a did a Twitter thread. Um, so yeah, so JJ then comes and tells Paul that actually Howie then Howie did good. Howie made right. Howie went and he talked to uh, Dick Van Patten off screen and apparently showed him a Variety article about how porn was over. And that was enough. And that was enough to convince Dick Van Patten to be like, "Oh my God, I gotta get out of this while the getting's good." I have to change my business model and show G-rated movies in my my three-row theater that used to be a porno theater that still serves popcorn. Now, porn would stay pretty much in uh, in vogue for the rest of the seventies. It wouldn't change until yeah. And then the eighties, it evolved into the erotic thriller. Um, (laughs) and nowadays we don't have this stuff anymore it's all just uh netflix and hbo shows you can't really find the uh, porno theaters anymore they're really kind of a dying breed no and also just movies where uh adults have uh sex mm, yeah like movies where adults have like steamy sex doesn't happen uh much anymore really unless it is like like a 50 shades of gray but like growing up i remember seeing so many ads for you know the fatal attraction basic instinct uh body heat or whatever you know um i remember i remember newspapers that would have like ads for porn films that are playing in the, at the theaters yeah um, around there or just like these are like these mass market R-rated movies that are like a uh, a well-respected actor uh, that you watch on like the Tonight Show promoting movies is going to do full frontal <laughs> like like it's that kind of like that level of of uh, steamy movies steamy movies and there's always been that there's always been the undercurrent of like nudie films not necessarily pornography but just we're gonna show we're gonna show some skin. 
Yeah. Uh, they, they made up a whole bunch of Cinemax and Showtime back in the day. Um, they were, you know, they were available. These are these are the, the movies that were kind of like predating Lady uh, Fanny Hill meets Lady Chatterley's Lover and like those yeah. things. They were, they were so there. What we're saying, Dick Van Patten, is don't change your business model. Just wait like a year or two. It's going to obviously you have four people in your theater in an afternoon lunch matinee. This is a great opportunity. You're bringing people in. Yeah, there are only 12 seats. So They're like only... you're doing good. <laughs> so <laughs> Howie is now like he's packing for the Navy because he's like a done effed up, you know, he and now me. Paul has to ask him to stay. Paul Lind hates me, which is something that probably many people in the 70s could say. Yeah, <laughs> especially when he gets drunk and then he hates he everybody. Hates everybody. Especially some minorities. Uh, it's very bad. I'm going to hit. I'm going to kill you, hit you, or hurt you in some way. Wait, what was that? <laughs> it was something that I saw on Tumblr. That was oh some, right. <laughs> somebody recorded their uh, their harassment training course. It was just two people looking at each other, and one of them said, "I'm going to kill you, hit you, or hurt you in some way." <laughs> nice. So we, Megan and I have been just repeating that around the house for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so now, like, he's on good terms with Howie. Things are going great. He got him a job. But then this yeah. is like, it's like this is like the stinger kind of um, on. Day you have to, reset, of, you have, you have oh, to go well. back to zero. So you, you, you can't have Howie end yes. the episode being a success. You right. have to bring him back down to zero. So the next episode doesn't have to have the continuity of him starting as a 10. He has to he's always starting as a zero. He on his first day working for that guy, he made a he made a list of people who could be replaced by computer. And his boss was the head of the list. And then Howie's name was second. So he was fired. He's a very honest chap. He's a very yeah. honest Howie. Um, but you know, that doesn't pay the, the bill. End of the, the end of the episode, though, is them realizing, like, well, if Howie doesn't get a job, he could live with us for years. And then Paul's like, he's got that fertility symbol up there. He wants babies. But your impression of him is spot on. He's just angry it's at so, everything. He's like, little babies running around. Like, which honestly, like, same. I understand a gay man's hatred of babies. I get yeah. that. Um, but like, it's a weird choice, but it's 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 the, it's the same reaction. He he give the same reaction if you're like, you know, here's a Christmas present, or I crashed the car. He'd be angry about either one of them. Oh, socks. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, are you ready for some must-have facts? Please. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
which let's uh let's just let's do a special segment where we actually talk about these reviews i found so um uh wednesday september 13th 1972 the californian uh abc tv offers a new half hour at the paul in show in which the comedy seer in which the humorist plays a middle-class lawyer with an amiable well-meaning son-in-law who can do almost anything but hold a job in the debut lynn plays things very broadly and despite occasional amusing moments the show registers like a cartoon with live people agree or disagree yeah i would say so i think that cartoon is live people with uh, that's a compliment yeah 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 um nowadays okay. it is so also uh so this was more of a feature article about like so this was an interview with like paul and stuff and uh one day he recalls he got a near hysterical phone call from his co-star elizabeth allen she plays his wife have you seen the trades she cried out have we been canceled already paul said uh he responded no worse we're on opposite all of the family uh, and Paul uh, said he immediately called his producer to check it out. No, the producer told Paul in assuring terms, you're on opposite Carol Burnett. I love Carol. I always have to watch our show. Paul was asked if he was concerned about the time period opposite Miss Burnett. Why do you think I'm drinking a gallon of wine? <laughs> he said, reaching over to pick up a glass of wine and taking a sip. So even... Uh, even the cast was like, oh boy, this ain't going well. It was um, really trying. It was really trying hard to be like all in the family with the, the son-in-law. It really versus is the, just the son-in-law and everyone is hung up on that. Um, but it's, it's it, what's, what's sad about it is that it doesn't go into any of the topical stuff. It doesn't get into any of the depth that, uh, that all in the family does. Uh, the next one, I, uh. I'm making a face for viewers that can watch. Um, there is an ad on this page next to the article about Paul Lind that is advertising, I think, a movie called The Legend of Inward Charlie, and it's just written in this newspaper. Yeah, so I saw that, and uh, it just uh, uh, shocked me. Um, so here's what this critic had to say. I don't have the name. Do I have the name? I don't have the name. I'm so sorry. Um, then there's another ABC News season offering at 8 p.m. today that I previewed. The Paul Lynn Show. How well it succeeds will depend on how much uh, how much ham the public wants to swallow each week. <laughs> As for me, a small taste of Lynn's exaggerated simpering, that's homophobic, mugging and grimacing sort of humor has been more than enough when he's appeared as an occasional guest on someone else's show. Oof. Um, that's, I mean, that's that's he's predisposed not to like Paul Lind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No matter what it is, he's just not going to like it. Uh, da, 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 in the opening episode, the show falls. It's a little Broadway comedy. Only isn't uh, only in this initial episode. The proceedings are so trite and familiar. You feel you're watching a rerun you've seen before. Yep. That's uh, from Cecil Smith. But the show makes you wish that for once Lind had material he didn't have to rise above. Uh, another one. Uh, this one is titled from it's a Dwight Newton review from the San Francisco Examiner called Sonnet to Silliness. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get to the uh, da, da, da. first is a sort of sonnet to silliness. Lynn's naturally uh, sensitive nerve ends are clothed here in suburbia with a wife, two daughters, and beginning tonight, a tall, gangling, oafish, terribly brilliant, unemployed son in law. The latter, played by John Calvin, is TV's sharpest clod hopper since Sugarfoot. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, you were right. Okay. 
so he goes on to like describe the the plot and he says at a triple x rated movie lynn tells the little old lady cashier that he once saw snow white she brightly replies that next week they are showing snow white makes out with the seven cycle freaks so she heard the same thing you did um <laughs> from the screen gym studio that produced father knows best the series could be titled father knows least that's also a weak line i'm sorry yeah father knows best more like father knows least right (laughs) and lastly so there's a thing you hear said about performers who are really terrific i'd like him if he did nothing more than read from the telephone book if you've ever said that about paul lind you'll have a chance to prove it tonight (laughs) (laughs) oh boy yeah so these are are tough yeah uh but it's so bad you ask how did how did it get on air i like to imagine it happened something like this executive producer bill asher people would like paul in if you did nothing more than read from the telephone book abc program chief marty starger yeah so let's have him do that think what we'll save on scripts but i'm bum honestly these reviewers should not be trying to write their own jokes because pot kettle black bitches yeah try to tear down a comedy with your own bad comedy it's not it's not funny. It doesn't not work. Uh good. Look. Not so um so here's the wild thing. This premiere, this this uh the Pauline show premiered in the top 10. It was not in the top 5. But it ranked in the top 10 premiere week. Oh, I'm sure. Um you know, but when you when you hear a Pauline show, you think Pauline, you like Pauline and other things. You don't know the premise, you don't know the plot, you don't know the pacing. You want to see like, it. I definitely want to check it out. Um yeah. It debuted higher than the Bob Newhart show, which was in the teens, and Maud, which debuted at 22. So that's like just crazy. Um, so the top five shows that aired this week, which I found, uh, number five was Zenith Presents a Salute to Television's 25th Anniversary. Television's television. 25th Anniversary. Just like the concept of television. Tele- what debuted... 25 years ago for us. Uh, that's 1997. That's like Spice Girls. <laughs> I'm thinking like 20, 25 years. That was 1947. 47. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that would make sense. <clears throat> yeah. So that is like wild. I, I really kind of want to watch that. Um, number four was The Anderson Tapes, which was a movie. Number three was Bridget Loves Bernie, which was a new show. So it debuted very high and then did not last more than a season, I don't think. Um, number two was All in the Family, of course. And then number one was Goldfinger, an airing of Goldfinger. No. Oh. God, we can't get away from spies. No, it's, another, it's just love and spies. Another so spies. ABC Wednesday lineup. I'm also going to um, blame ABC for this because they really left Paul to dry because the ABC Wednesday lineup was the Paul Lynn show followed by the ABC Wednesday movie of the week and then the Julie Andrews hour. Like, he's truly on an island against yeah. the Carol Burnett show. There are no other sitcoms on that night. There's no one else with any star power until Julie Andrews 90 minutes after his show ends. They It almost feels like they hung him out to die. Yeah, that's really tough. That's... Uh, yeah. Just imagine if you don't if you don't like the movie, why would you tune in for Paul yeah, Lynn? Yeah, at all. Um, in the evening. Now, on IMDb, 42 users rated this episode an 8.1 out of 10. What would you give it? Is that high, low? I'd say for production, it's it's fine. Like it's it's a well made show. It's a sitcom. Yeah, 
but otherwise I really did not care for it. And it was, and it was because one, everyone does not seem authentic. No. The, it, Paul Lind aside and, and his, his approach to his, his co-stars aside, everybody else is extremely gen, not generic, but only is there to serve as a foil for Paul Lind. Yes. So even the character that's supposed to be very interesting, Howie, who he, he's gone around the world. He has a fertility symbol. He's, he's on the golf course. He's a genius is also very understated. Yeah. No jokes. And it's, it's, it's not, doesn't lead to jokes. It doesn't lead to much of anything. His wife is extremely two dimensional. His daughter, his older daughter has nothing to do. Oh, I just forgot that either of his daughters existed. Like they have nothing to do. No one has his boss is has, has like a, a humorous aside. Honestly, the most interesting characters are the three people at the porno theater. The woman mm-hmm. taking tickets, the old woman taking tickets, his friend who 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 joins him and Dick Van Patten. Yeah. I mean, I would give this maybe a six. Because I have watched multiple episodes of Paul in show, and this reminds me I need to watch every single one because this hits a this hits a real sweet spot of like I love I love early seventies sitcoms, obviously, and I love Paul Lind. Um, I I know there are probably some great guest stars. Dick Van Patten's in the first one. Who knows who's coming up next? And I, uh, so I, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't have anything like bad to say about Paul Lind as an actor. I think that this role was not well written for him. Not for him at all. He's an uncle Arthur. It it was not written for him. It was, it was, I think amped up to, to, to really take advantage of of his style and his personality, but it doesn't work when you're, when you're leading a cast. And also uh, uncle Arthur as a character is perfect for Paul Lind because the exact same delivery, but uh, uncle Arthur is mischievous. Yeah, he's like laughing. He's enjoying himself. He's not like he's not as angry. <laughs> he's agonizing. This is a character that's agonizing over everything in his life. And he reacts by just lashing out in snarky ways, like legitimately, like you said, if if Bob Newhart delivered these lines, they would be they would it would be a completely different show. Yeah. But you, the delivery that was chosen was very sharp. It was very pointed. It was very nasty. I'm all cut up from all these jokes. Yeah. Nasty works like little bits of lightning hitting things. That's great. But if it's just like constant lightning all the time, no matter like day or night, I don't know. Mm. It's it, it. It grates on you. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the musty performance definitely goes to that ticket taker lady. Yeah, because she 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 was the exact opposite of Paul Lynn, where Paul Lynn was all personality. She was enthusiasm, but really very like very. Uh, she had high status, like she was making fun of Paul. She's the only character in the episode that like you know, was able to kind of like read him a little bit. Like but you she need was to know also, the plot. Like it's funny. But she was also very unconvincing. She was not a real character. It was this is obviously a person who is a foil for Paul Lind. <laughs> just the, the way she delivered lines like this. It was just it, it everything just was surreal. It was like Alice in Wonderland. Like characters <laughs> do not act like real people. They do not react the way that people do. They do not present themselves as real like Everything was caricature or just background. Yeah. Oh, 
And uh, lastly, must other people see this episode of television, especially if they love Mr. Lind? Oh, don't put me on the spot like this. This is no, because I can make the case either way. I mean, it's a uh, it's a it is an artifact of television history. If you want to see what we used to put our homosexual uh, icons through. There you go. This is what they had to do. It's a piece of history. It's 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 in any Paul Lind biography or any any conversation about Paul Lind, which I own, too, and I. I did not. Yeah. I didn't have time to go through and see what they actually had to say about this. But in, in in any conversation, you can you can always say he had his own sitcom for a for for a season. Because invariably, it comes up like, oh man, why didn't he ever have his own show? Because he was always a guest star. And oh my god, I have seen him guest star on everything. I have I I would go through and just watch his IMDb, like him and Charles Nelson Reilly and John Aston. Like I would go through and just watch all their guest appearances, and they're great. He plays a Mountie on F Troop, Paulin does. So if 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 I'm recommending it to someone else, I, I can say this is a, a, an episode that you have to understand is not how like it it's it, it's it exists in its own world of sitcom writing and acting, but it is something that you should probably see. Yeah. Just to, just to understand it. Yeah, and it's on, hey, it's on YouTube. So just yeah. get you know you can you can jump around you can skip around it's uh, it's interesting, um, wow, <laughs> it's a it's a ride it really is it is no just I love I love doing weird short lived shows because sometimes you discover gems like Mary Mary Tyler Moore's eighties sitcom that is good and co stars John Aston and Katie Siegel, whoo like pre married with children like it's so good um didn't last but anyway uh i don't know what you have any uh closing thoughts for the paul lynn show or just laugh in general <laughs> I, I feel like we should have some sort of segment in between the end of must have facts and the and the outro well i mean we can talk about like other other options that we were considering for this there was one called quark that i was oh, kind of yes. into which was a Richard Benjamin sci-fi post Star Wars, post Star Trek sci-fi comedy where he plays the captain of an intergalactic uh, garbage barge. That sounds amazing. Uh, it's available. And also like a lot of shows. That I think it's it's out. available. All eight episodes are available on Crackle. Oh, Crackle. Come through, Crackle. So I was like, oh, maybe. And then and then Brett said, how about Paul Lynn show? And I'm like, that one has more cultural cash let's yeah, yeah let's well we'll do that. that other one definitely um richard benjamin from westworld damn so yeah i uh you know how are we liking the new the new era <laughs> I, that, you know i love it i open it up to everybody else leave comments yes let me know if um yeah i mean i think people are watching the the lives i would honestly like to at some point do this with people watching at some, if yeah. they figure out the zoom thing, um, I mentioned it to some people and, and to a, to a friend, she said, well, let me know when you're doing a live show. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and on, and honestly, the more people that can see my beauty, I, Ethan, I have new boobs. You, oh. didn't, you did. You didn't comment on your, uh, on your friend's boobs. I generally you, don't comment you on can my comment friend. on mine because they are not real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I have been stuffing my uh, bra with, three sets of like silicone like like this they're meant to lift real boobs and mm. so i bought one and i was like well, these aren't big enough so then i bought a second pair still so i bought a third pair and now i've just bought actual like it is weird because they 
I think there are four women who've had mastectomies. Is what like the headline is, but it's like you know they're prosthetic uh, little. Yeah, it's it's very strange. I am sure you're not the first person who has used them for that purpose. I think they are almost probably more used for uh, drag queens and yeah, and, yeah, etc. Um, <clears throat> you talk about your Google results being uh, borked from this. <laughs> My Amazon recommendations are nothing but like butt pads and makeup and uh ugly dresses so <laughs> they're just it like used to be we, nothing we but found action figures in the back we found these in the back do you do you do you want them yes uh, are they what, ugly what like? yes what do you do i mean i found this by like i mean i do i search amazon for like 70s dress vintage dress ugly dress funky groovy like that's but yeah, that's they, how i'm finding this you that's that's the the thing that i like is that they 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 fit they work on the arms. They work on the arm. I've had very good luck with uh, my measurements because I, as a as a man who loves suiting, I do have all my measurements. Um, but then I had to take my measurements with my uh, girl body, with the uh, boobs and hips on, which uh, 42, 32, 42. Hey, hey. Um, buy me stuff. BarbHardly.com. Yeah. <laughs> Get a Barb Hardly Amazon wish list. And start I do. Asking. I have one. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it, it this is a, this is a lot of fun. I am enjoying having a reason to get all gussied up. I'm glad that you're and, enjoying uh, me as a co-host. I am chatting chatting with you every week because otherwise, I mean, I just sit in my apartment alone. Yeah, I'm I'm really since I'm I'm spending more time in here every week. I've started really redoing the the office. I have the the pictures here. I just got uh this piece of paper art. I'll, I'll t- tilt it up a little Ooh. bit. I've got some uh, Olson and Johnson up here. I've got Malcolm McDowell. I've got a piece by Edmund Lee Belfort up there. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm really building out my my office like I've kind of wanted it to. Yes. I've got a couple of new things that have come in. I'm going to put over here. I put up, I put up the photos of uh, me and my husband and me and my friends. Yeah, so. there's there's me. Yeah, with a uh, Barb. Yeah, <laughs> at, at, at your big party for my my debut from Barb's big debut. Um, is this new era of my life where I dress as a woman to entertain people? Hey, so, didn't so see next it week. Next week, you're thinking bosom buddies. I think we. I mean, I think we. I think the I think it would be doing uh it, my my character. I think Barb needs it. It makes sense. I, at the, at this point, it's the '80s sitcom that is primarily cross-dressing. Although I think near, oh. by the by the end of it, were they, they like we're not doing it anymore? Yeah, I think that. By the, I, if I recall, like by the end of it, there were more episodes where they're like, yeah, yeah, that was first season. We're not doing no, that yeah. this season. We're just we're just showing up as as. Peter Scolari. See, I can't. I can't tell if the beginning's homophobic or the end's homophobic. Which one? It's all bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cross-dresser representation. Um. Uh. But yes. So we'll probably do that. Uh. You know. Uh. I guess that does it for this episode of Must Have Seen TV. Uh. Thanks for dropping by and talking about the Paul Lynn show. Next time we'll probably be doing Bosom Buddies. We'll find it and you know uh, talk about it. Uh, until then, we do want to hear from everyone. Follow at Must Have Seen V on Twitter. And specifically Instagram. You can also follow me at Barb Hardly on Instagram and also at Brett White. Um, Ethan, where can they follow you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at EthanK55. Uh, it's a wonderful little place where I post goofy stuff I find and my cats. 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 You gotta love cat content. We've got, we've got five uh, cats. They haven't they haven't joined me today. I, I, yeah. I left the door open and everything. I had to close mine out because they were wanting to get into the makeup. They want to get on my desk when I'm putting on makeup. It's not good. 
Write us with Steve, cat facts. Write yes, cat facts. Comment with, you know, how you love your cats. You know, also, interaction. Rate and review the show in iTunes. Uh, we have 66 reviews. It'd be great to get to 70. <laughs> Ooh. Thought, yeah, I thought I was going to say another number, but I did. Uh, you can also <laughs> read the words that are at decider.com, including lots of pieces about Paul Lind. Thanks to ACAST for hosting all this nonsense. Make sure you watch the the video on the Must Have Seen TV YouTube channel, which I think if you just type Must Have Seen TV, you're going to find it. Um, yeah, so thanks to everyone for listening and or watching, and we will see you next time on Must Have Seen TV. Woo! Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.